Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome to Real GM Radio. I am Daniel Rue, your host, and so happy to have you with us for this episode. This is another Tears podcast with Matt Moore of the Action Network. Really fun one. Matt chose the criteria. It is on teams that are closest to championship contention. We get into how we define that and everything else. This episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. Use that CLNS50 promo code to get yourself a 50% welcome bonus and to tell them you came from us. Episode runs about an hour. Lots of great stuff in here. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Always excited to do this. Well, we came up to each other to say hello in Summer League, and you you made the note that you had an idea for this, and I believe you did versions of this on the plane on the way to Las Vegas. So you were yeah. very you were very energized about this specific criteria, and I understand why because it was fun. Yeah, I just think that you know as we get started with the season and we look at how everything has been um, has played out in free agency and everything. It's important, I think, to kind of get the sense of the the broad tiers. And so I started just uh, it was funny. Everyone was making fun of me in Vegas because I was using my like Apple pencil. But I was like, I really wanted to be able to like write in a notebook and have one with me. Uh, I forgot to pack away my bag. And so I was just like doodling. And and as I started doing things, I just started randomly doing tiers. So I did like three variation of tiers. So we decided, I decided I wanted to do closest to title contention and to try and get a sense for how far away are these teams from being at the level that I think they need to be at in order to say, you know, they can win a title. Right. And why I enjoyed this so much was you have to do these kind of sets of evaluations for a team. And so it's like, are they good enough now? Are there ways that they can get there? And, and it's also, if they are not at that level now how how can they get there how long does that take how far are they along in the process and so for me this is not a ranking of how good are these teams right now it is you know the title title contention is a very specific it can be nebulous but it's a specific concept of like you are good enough to win a championship and so mm. there are teams that are worse right now that are in a stronger position on my list because they have a clear path to adding the star talent and to a lesser extent the supporting talent to reach that level. Whereas you are, if you are a pretty good team right now that doesn't have a clear path to becoming elite, then you're actually a little bit lower on my list. 
Yeah, and I think it, it, this gets into some interesting teams where they're gonna they're gonna be really great teams, but you know, are they able to find that? Can they make up that difference? Can they clear that gap? Can they separate? Can they close the distance between what seems to be between them, whether it's a player or you know, uh, a, one side of the ball or a, a fundamental kind of limitation that they have, whether it's schematic or something else? Can they close that gap to put themselves in the, into that position? And I think it's a really interesting question. And I had a, a much harder time with it as I started to kind of like revise the ones I did on the plane. I had a much harder time trying to narrow this down than I thought I would. Reasonable. And for me, I so the way I kind of to kind of lay out the general concept before we get into the specifics, I I kind of ended up with two separate organizational paradigms. So one set is like the there or close to it. And so for those teams, mm-hmm. it's like you're either in title contention or you're there. So like obviously that you're get you're closer if you're if you're already there or if you're close to it. And then after that, so so that group covers, on, it's in multiple tiers and all that, but that covers, let's call it about half the league. And then the other half, I don't see kind of there or close to there. Then it shifts into, well, what are, what are the ways you can reach that threshold? And so we'll get, I think for me, those lines of delineation will be pretty clear. I'll, I will lay them out as we get there. But let's start at the top. What is your top tier? All right, this is obviously going to be teams that like I think can win the title next season. This is the teams that I think are are there now that if they just they have their core, they have the pieces right now, they're going in. If they don't suffer bad luck, they have a really good chance of winning the title. They don't need anything else. It just comes down to, you know, make it, making shots and missing shots. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Golden State, obviously, Milwaukee, mm-hmm. the Boston Celtics, the Los Angeles Clippers. And oh boy, is this one going to probably rankle some feathers um, because this one is one that's built off of they don't have it right now, but I am presuming that they get it. It's the Los Angeles Lakers. The, I will say I the, Lakers, the Lakers were the hardest team for me to the mm-hmm. hardest team for me to pin. Um, and I think our, our reasoning is going to be there. I'll say we'll get into the specifics. So my top tier, I wrote no doubt about it. It's just three mm-hmm. teams, and that's the Warriors, the Celtics, and the Bucks, the last two champions, and the team that came the closest to winning a championship that is not the last two champions, and that's the Celtics. Also, they're extremely young. So we can get there. Um, I mean, I don't want to give those teams short shrift, but I also think that the sales pitch for the Warriors being in title contention is easy. <laughs> they just did it. Yeah. And then for the Bucks, I am a little bit more concerned. I mean, they yes, they did win it in 21. They still have Giannis, who was in the argument for best player in the world. And you could make a very reasonable case that if Chris Middleton were healthy, they could have beaten the Celtics and theoretically then handled the rest of the Eastern Conference and made it to the finals. And that would have been a close series. I do think that Milwaukee's roster is weaker than when they won the championship. You know, Grayson Allen is specifically limited. They have, you know, now they're spending more on Portis. They don't have a ton of flexibility because of all the stuff they gave up for Drew, which, of course, they're happy they did it. They won a championship and they would not have otherwise. So I, I think there's a reason to consider having the Bucks a tear down. But you have Giannis. You have this foundation. They have basically the same principles right now. And remember, like, yeah, they missed Dante DiVincenzo but they also didn't have him when they won. So I think their inclusion here is totally reasonable. I have it too. Yeah, I think with Milwaukee, it... Do I love their wing rotation? No. Do I hate the trade they made for Ibaka? Yes. Do I hate that they re-signed him? Yes. 
I just don't think that that was an appropriate use of, of resources. I don't think it helps you with the perceived idea of like, well, you need bigs for Embiid. Surge isn't going to help you versus Embiid. Um, just go out and get some some G League guys that can foul. Like, there, I don't see any reason for it. However, you know, like Joe Ingles was starting to slide anyway, and then coming off the the injury, that's another concern. But like the possibility of Ingles being able to contribute, you're in a series and you need somebody who can create a little bit. I like Ingles as an option. And then I actually really like Marjan Beauchamp. I, I think that's a really smart pick by them and that he can fill in a little bit. I think they have enough guys to be able to get there. A, a lot of it is just simply, look, I can ding them for this, that, and the other. If Chris Middleton's healthy, they beat the Celtics, and I think they beat the Warriors. I just do. That's where I'm at. Is like I think the Bucks win the title if Chris Middleton does not specifically get injured at the exact time that he got injured. So I can't have them anywhere else but at the top of this list. Um, the Clippers were a requirement for me on this list. I They are, in my opinion, they should be... They're not currently the title favorites of the books. In my opinion, they should be close to that list. They should be much closer to the 550 than the 750 that they are. Uh, I bet them immediately at 850 once the odds came out. This team has incredible depth. They have amazing versatility. Uh, I have no reason to think Kawhi will not play this season, even if it's Kawhi and all things are always a mystery. He should play at some point this season. Paul George was amazing last year before the injury. Ty Lue is regarded as one of the best three coaches, maybe the best coach in the NBA. John Wall only helps their depth. Like the Clippers to me have to be included in this list. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I will say the only reason I didn't include them beyond them being Lucy pulling the football for me for like three straight years now is because I, I'm I just want to see Kawhi in person. Like I, I you know it's kind of one of those. But I I originally had them in my tier one, and I'm like, mm-hmm. but I you know the theory behind them. I mean, and the other thing with the Clippers is they haven't played. You know, the, they haven't played at a championship level in the playoffs ever but they have incredible talent and like i mean that series against the nuggets which was a a triumph for the nuggets but also a collapse by the clippers you know that you treat that as a piece in the puzzle not the entire puzzle yeah and i think honestly the one i'm having a little bit trouble with right now is boston i'm trying to figure out if we're overvaluing them or undervaluing them or appropriately valuing them i don't know where to put them i think i think this is appropriate value i mean they were one of the best defenses in the league if not the best defense in the league for the second half of last year i worry a little bit about their their offense but I worry less about their offense than to do the Bucks, honestly. Like so, I, I think yeah. that I think of them as pretty comparable. And then the other reason why I would have the Celtics, you know, in this is that age-related progression regression is more on their side than it is either of the other teams in my tier or any of the teams that you have because you have two others in this group because they're mostly younger and the older player they have is Al Horford and they have other options there. So like if Al Horford, Grant Williams wasn't great in the Warriors series. He was fantastic in almost every other series that they played. I thought he did a nice job against Miami and against Milwaukee. And so they add Malcolm Brogdon to the mix. And that also indicates that ownership is willing to pay a lot for this team to be good. And so I I think that for me, there are reasons to be concerned, but I think there are reasons to be concerned about all these teams. Yeah, uh, and that's a reflection of where the league is at, right? We're right. not in the 2017 era where it's just like, well, there's the Warriors and there's everybody else. Um, right. So let, let, let's think, talk. Let's talk about the Lakers, unless you want to talk more about the Clippers, because the Clippers, I think, actually, let's make let's make the case. So, I mean, they're part of what makes the Clippers so dangerous is that defensively 
there are a lot of different theories of the case. They have all these different iterations. Their star players can defend, even if Kawhi, my expectation will be that he's not, I mean, he even wasn't before the this injury, the same defender that he was, you know, in his best years with the Spurs or whatever, or even or even in 2019 with the Raps. And that's okay because Paul George can, he he's not the same defender he was early in his career, but he's still damn good. But they could do, if you want to play with a big, with Zubats, sure, you could do it that way. If you want to play, you know, Batum at the five or however you want to do that construction, they could do it. And you and I had a discussion on this. Jared Dubin and I had a discussion on this. There are weak points in the Clippers rotation defensively and offensively, but they don't have to play those guys because they have like 11 valid rotation players on this team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the growth from guys like Terrence Mann and Amir Coffey, like they just, they've got a good pipeline of the younger guys that if somebody needs a night off, they can slot them into the regular season. It's possible that Brandon Boston can be like, could be Mm -hmm. something this year. And if they can get... Anything from that. Also, the Clippers, like, I mean, this will come up, I'm sure, with the Lakers. I think it's underappreciated the possibility that they improve their talent from now until the start of the playoffs, whether that is through using, they don't have a ton of picks available, but using some of that stuff um, to to get a, you know, like some of those picks and you do some of that, or they just say, hey, we're going to trade three real, we're going to trade three pretty good players for one slightly better player, but that's going to be more important to our rotation. They could do that a bunch of different ways. This team has a billion guys under contract between 10 million and 14, 15, 60 million. So like they could do this different structures. And so like, and Lawrence Frank, I think is a really good general manager. So like, it's not only like they're that good right now. And then the other part of this is John Wall and the Clippers have options on options. And what I mean by that is like, yeah, I don't love Luke Kennard. I'm not the biggest Reggie Jackson fan. They can construct dangerous lineups without those guys in it at all. And John Wall gives them another point guard possibility. And if he looks... If he so if for the Clippers, if he is a high end player or even a like middle end point guard, that gives them passing. It could give them some verve and transition that they haven't had before. And if he sucks, they won't play. Maybe Kennard's playable versus the Nuggets, but he's not playable versus the Warriors. Sure. Maybe John Wall is playable versus the Warriors, but he's not playable versus Denver. Like there's all these ways that it can go. And, and, Ty, thing- and Ty Lue having the strings. Sorry to interrupt. Mm-hmm. Ty Lue being yeah. the one to make those decisions. I have more faith in him than almost any other coach, if not any coach in the league. And the only real thing I have is losing Hartenstein hurts because the ability to go small, I think, is crucial for them. And if they have to return back to the Marcus Morris at the five thing, I'm just going to be like a little concerned. Just going to be a little, sure. little, little, little concerned there. Um, but other than that, I think that they're pretty impenetrable, uh, or at least they have enough answers to project as impenetrable for enough games. The Lakers, look, I don't dispute the roster's terrible. I expect to get Kyrie Irving. That's been expected, like, that's been talked about since February. Everybody's been on like, you know, it might happen. This Kyrie might wind up back in the Like everybody's been talking about it. So it's no surprise that these, these talks have resurfaced. You know, the Nets are, are certainly posturing like they're willing to, to go ahead and deal with this uncomfortableness. And, and that changes things. I think uh, I think Darvin Ham at least brings them a new energy, which I think is what they needed. Uh, I don't agree with fa- firing Frank Vogel. I don't think firing. I don't think Frank Vogel was a problem. I think the way that this franchise is run is the problem, but it will incite some more energy. And if it's LeBron and Davis and Kyrie, as much as it's like, well, yeah, but they're never, never healthy. Okay. But what if they are like, if they are healthy, this team's going to win 50 games. If this team's healthy, they're going to be a top four seed. If these teams healthy, you're dealing with LeBron and AD in a playoff series. And that's very tough to beat. 
And if this team's healthy, they will get buyout guys like yeah. because they can offer playing time. And, and I think this Lakers roster is significantly weaker than the one that won the championship in the bubble like that. That's yeah. it. It's 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 so important. Like, I mean, uh, yes, a. AD and LeBron being hurt a lot of the subsequent years is a factor of it. They're also just way worse. But yes. those guys are so talented and you can build a a cogent roster around them that it doesn't take as much for them to get there. And remember, this is championship yeah. contention. Like, I mean, a team, if they can get Kyrie, and there is a structure doing it, it's basically, will they give up the assets to do so? And to me, I know there's this moral thing about you don't want to, you know, sell it. You have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. If it takes a couple of future first round picks to get Kyrie Irving, who is bought in yeah. at least for one year, if it if it costs you two first round picks to become a serious title contender for one or two years, you do it. Because what the hell else are you saving them for? Like, they're, Anthony Davis wants to stick around. I don't think you're ever going to be truly bad enough, or I mean, at least over the near term, to like maximize those picks or anything like that. And you have the greatest or second greatest player of all time in his late 30s, but still damn good. You maximize that window. And it also doesn't like it, you lose those draft picks, but that doesn't commit you to like giving Kyrie a bad contract, you know, or anything like that. You just, if it doesn't work and he wants to leave or LeBron wants to to leave then whatever um yeah and I, I think the best way of kind of to say this is you you put your top tier as no doubt about it and i'm mine is more of like uh they are as close to it as necessary mm-hmm. right where it's the, like if, if we want to say from like right now like today i would have to put them a tier lower but am, am i just like can they easily get to the point where i'd be like oh man they can definitely <laughs> win the title yes it's yes. Just way easier for them to me than the teams behind them right and so I had mine as as my next tier is a little bit bigger, but I think I did draw a wider line with it. Like I could have done sub tier and I'll explain where that line would have been. I called it a little doubt. So the doubt could be a couple of different things. It could be for the Clippers and the Nuggets. I want to see their teams healthy and at full strength. Like the Clippers, they have the talent. They could do it. Denver, I mean, team that you are very familiar with. I really like the theory behind this team and, and, you know, Jokic as this, you know, the center, can you be there defensively? Maybe not, but like, that's a a question mark, but the talent level on this team is incredible. And like, I mean, mutual friend, Seth Partno, and I think this is completely credible. He thought that, you know, in 21, if they hadn't gotten hurt, that they would have been his pick to win the championship. And I think that's eminently reasonable. So I want to see Jamal Murray. I want to see what MPJ looks like, but that's, that's the only reason I have doubt with them. Like they, I could be, sitting here on October 1st, you know, even in the preseason saying they're tier one. Yeah, I've got this tier two as coulds, not shoulds. So mm-hmm. the top teams should be in title contention. These next teams could be in title contention, but they're going to have to show it to me. Uh, I have an interesting wrinkle in here. So my tier two is Philadelphia. Okay, they're in mine too. The Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. The Dallas Mavericks against every impulse that I have. I Same. cannot... I just the, annoyingly last year, it's like if I ask you if I really corner Mavs fans and I'm like, do you think you were really that good last year? There's a lot of like, well, I mean, but the results are there. They were in the Western Conference Finals. They, they If you're at that doorstep, even with losing Jalen Brunson, adding Christian Wood, I will put that Luka is simply that great. Let's put you on the tier that's like, OK, could happen, even though I do not think it will happen. The interesting one that I have here that's added on um, one, I don't have i don't have the suns here um which i'm reconsidering minute by minute um i do have the toronto raptors 
Okay, I, I, I consider them as well, but I'll let you explain. The reason I have the Toronto Raptors is there is a agreement amongst people in the league I've talked to that if it just simply comes down to the Nets do bend and they don't want to sit this season out and deal with all this nonsense again, and Kyrie goes to LA and KD gets traded, that the two best packages are the Pelicans and the Raptors. That those are the two best teams with options for them. I think that becomes abundantly even more likely after the Aiden signing removes the possibility of him being included in a trade. If you can't get Aiden right away, then I don't know. And, and he can happens. veto it. So like, I mean, we don't even, yeah. for, for a year, so we don't even know if Aiden wants to be in Brooklyn. Maybe he, he would, yeah. but I mean, yeah. maybe he wouldn't. Like he, he, gets, he gets that latitude. Yeah, I think that's a, a very, a very fair point. Um, I, so I will mention, and then we'll talk through some of these teams. The only team that I had that we haven't talked about that is in my second tier is that is Miami and Miami. There are two reasons for it. One is I think they're, I think they're a good team. You know, they, again, injuries affected their viability, but also along the lines of Toronto, potentially, you know, they have the making a move, Pat Riley and their front office could absolutely do something as well. So, I mean, I think, there's this dynamic that Miami, like one of the league's best regular season teams last year, that because we all had no faith in their offense and they ended up getting knocked out, even if it was in the conference finals, partially because their offense wasn't good, that they just like couldn't do it. I think I think they're good enough to be in this area, even if age related regression doesn't help. I think my thing is, if this was conference, right, it, it depends on what you mean by title contention. Sure. If you're like, <laughs> make the finals, I'm willing to put Miami tier two. If it's win the finals, I'm not, because I think either the team in the conference finals or the finals would beat them because of that gap that they have. And like, I was one that was pretty adamant in saying that we were disrespecting Miami and how everyone was perceiving that Celtics matchup. I was just like, look, Boston has not been that dominant and the Heat are the one seed and they breezed through most of the playoffs and they were so beat up and all these things. But look, they lost P.J. Tucker. I, I've asked, I was hanging out in Summer League with the guys that host Locked On Heat and I was like, so who's starting at power forward? And they were like, you got anything going on? Because you could do it. Because mm-hmm. we don't have any other option. Like, it does seem like, you know, yeah, Jovic, like Jovic could be the, the guy. Like, it could be they re-sign Marcus Moore, Markeith Morris at the last second. And he slots in. And that's a pretty big deal. They lost Tucker for essentially nothing. They don't have anyone coming up in the pipeline. They weren't able to move Duncan Robinson. They're throwing these offers out to try and get Donovan Mitchell, which I actually don't know how much ultimately that would help. Kyle Lowry, really concerning playoff run, honestly. I didn't think his season was that great last year. Really showing his age. Um, Butler is always kind of like a when he's awesome, he's awesome. And when he's not, you're like, eh. So uh, I have to put them a tier below simply because I'm like, look, they could absolutely like they could sneak their way in and just simply out begrudgingly outlast the teams in the East. But then I think they get ran by anybody that, that comes out of the West. So I have to put them a tier behind. That's fair. And the the way I'll, I'll articulate it slightly differently is in order to win a championship, you're going to have to probably beat three really good teams. And that's hard for Miami to do. They're going to have different theories that some of them are going to have an offense that as great as their defense is won't be completely stoppable. And that will have some will have good personnel. Like I think, for example, a Heat Clippers series would be very difficult for them. Um, the offense would stagnate a little bit and not it would actually be a pretty gross series to watch. But I, I agree with you. I think that's I think that's completely reasonable. Let's talk about Dallas and Philly. We haven't really given them a ton of discussion yet. So with Dallas, I have them tier two and a, a part Part of it is, you know, if Luca continues to improve, like if he's just, you know, in the conversation for best player in the world, that's there. But also losing Brogdon hurts in, I, unambiguously. It absolutely does. 
They can do a facsimile of the theory of the team with Dinwiddie. I don't think they're the same player. I think that Dinwiddie is is capable, but not the same. And adding in some guys like Christian Wood, it give as much as I like the original concept. You know, switching everything, getting these attack, getting these attackers offensively, get Luka downhill with shooters, all, all those sorts of things. Having Christian Wood, having some other ways that you can attack teams, having some other ways that you can beat teams is really useful. And so while I'm skeptical that it's going to be the best thing, it's good to have other ones. Yeah, you want as many answers as possible. We talk about that a lot. And I think um, what I guess my concern partially is that the early word is like they're going to bring Wood off the bench. And that's a I don't know. I don't, or play him understand. at power forward, both of which are not great. Yeah, I like the power forward idea better than bringing him off the bench. I'm just like, you need Christian Wood. Like, you need Christian Wood. Like, Luca and JaVale is not enough gravity to get you home. Um, and so, like, the, the JaVale bet, my understanding of it was mostly built off of, like, a regular season thing. And, like, if we don't have to play him in the playoffs, we don't have to. And that's great. It's just, like, eventually, if he's such a big part of your team, you will. Like, not having to and won't are two different things. It's like, if you have all the success with JaVale in the regular season, which you need in order to be in this title contention you also then in order to be in serious title contention need to not have to play him and that gets difficult if you've relied on him all year um secondary ball handling i think is a concern we're just going to see one of the reasons i do think you have to kind of include them still here is there'll be this like well who else is going to create on the team and it's like well who else created on the 2017 rockets Right. Nobody. But could the Rockets have won the title? Yes. Like of they course. were close enough. So uh not even the eighteen team, the seventeen team, the loss of the Spurs. Like that team absolutely could have. It's just like Luca's hardened now. That just is what they're doing. As much as you know, everyone will kind of push back on the idea. Like that's obviously what they're doing is it's going to be Luca with an insane usage rate gunning for MVP, trying to hold up the entire season, putting a ton of miles on him. Um, and it's going to wear him down and it's going to make things more difficult, but he's such a singular, amazing, incredible talent. And would, if they do go to that option, I love the, the idea of this big that can both roll and attack the rim and be able to shoot from the outside. Like Wood's versatility as a combination of what they had last year genuinely really helps um i worry about the defense taking a step back because it was just wonkily good this year but there's also not like a lot of statistical outliers that or indicators that really say like no this was all smoke and mirrors right it's just there's a there's enough there for me to be like i cannot i cannot reasonably put them lower based off of those things um also that like well, one other but, thing also christian wood has been very disappointing to me defensively overall in his career he will be asked to do less than he has at any other point, you know, like on a team that's actually yeah. good. Like they, if they, they can switch a little bit with him, they can try some other stuff. And if he doesn't try it, and if he sucks, then he's not going to play. And I don't think he'll be thrilled about that. Um, with Philly, I think it's pretty obvious. Like Embiid is at such a ridiculously incredible level. Uh, Harden, you can have whatever opinion you want on Harden. Most of my thinking on the Harden thing is like, look, if Harden's bad again, there's still a, an even chance that Tyrese Maxey takes another step forward and he becomes a star. If Tyrese Maxey doesn't take a step forward, Harden probably bounces back. Like the odds of one of those two events happening are good. Like that one of those events happening to me is a pretty good likelihood. Um, you add in like Daniel House is another, you know, rim or 
perimeter guy. Um, and you add in the fact that they're probably going to add, I would say, probably somebody by the end of it, you know, Eric Gordon or somebody else. And look, uh, there's enough of that core there for me to feel like, one, I think P.J. Tucker helps their mentality. I think they'll be a tougher team mentally this year. Would have liked to see them move Tobias Harris. They, they tried. They looked at a bunch of different options. I think that's still on the table. But ultimately, I just, Embiid, again, let me just look at Luka. I don't know that if we can look at how dominant Embiid is. As many holes as I have poked in his playoff career, I don't think you can look at him, especially with how things played out last year. And that was what was frustrating is I like the Heat even if Embiid was healthy. But because he wasn't, I can't knock him for that because of the conditions he was playing under. So I have to include them here for the combination of the overall talent level uh, and the presence of Embiid. Agreed on all fronts, especially because Doc ran into a problem last year because they didn't have enough players who could actually like be viable in a playoff rotation. And then in part because James Harden opted to take less and I wouldn't have begrudged him for maximizing his money. But by doing so, they got much better teammates and the possibility of having House and PJ and, you know, just and I mean, also giving Daryl Morey another year to kind of maneuver some of these things on the margins. I think he's going to have at least one more viable playoff rotation player by the postseason, potentially two. That would be a huge coup for him. But I think that's a distinct possibility. And that could slide guys into more manageable roles and everything like that. And so, yeah, I, I have them in this group. Lots more discussion on tiers with Matt Moore. But first, a message from betonline.ag. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including Major League Baseball scores, all the latest fighting news, and even next season's early NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So use the promo code CLNS50. And the reason it's 5 zero is because you get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So head to the website or use your mobile device. And again, using that promo code CLNS50 to get your 50% welcome bonus and get into the action at BetOnline, where the game starts. My next tier, I call it plausible steps away. And so this is where I have the Raptors on exactly the same logic that you use. That if there is, they are like, so if you take the team as they exist right now, I don't see them as being in title contention. However, there are pretty, there are ways that are easy that aren't, don't require fleecing another team or somebody taking, like being a most improved player star turn or something like that away from doing it. And I think Toronto, we already, we already laid this out. And, you know, if they added Durant or if they, you know, if they consolidated their stuff into the right person, and it looks like some of those players could be available and they don't have to make that choice, but they can. So they are the, they're the epitome of this group. However, this is also where I have the Lakers on the similar theory to you. I'm just, I think their current talent level is just not even close. So that is a concern. I think they could get there if they do the Kyrie deal. I think they should do the Kyrie deal. Thus, I think it is going to happen. I also have the Grizzlies here. And Memphis, I mean, yes, John Morant getting injured, that fundamentally changed that series. And it made the Grizzlies better defensively, but it made them a whole lot less dynamic offensively. They are not far away to me, but... I, the reason they're not tier one or tier two for me is that I don't think they're there yet. And they, you know, maybe they could have used their cap space differently. They have all these draft picks, but they still have the means to, I think they need a th- a guy who's the third best player on a title team. And they have the capacity to bring that player in. They just haven't done it yet in my eyes. 
So I want to make one quick adjustment. Um, this this list was built when I assumed that Aiden was actually not going to return to Phoenix because mm-hmm. everything I'd heard. Oh, was oh, like, and I have e- I have Phoenix tier two. I forgot to mention that. Yeah. So let's go ahead and move Phoenix into tier two. Like they can definitely win it. It's arguably going to be tier one, right? If you just go like, look, last year was just COVID. They got hit with COVID. That's why they lost the Mav series. They would have been in it. I still would have picked the Warriors over them for a number of reasons. But them getting Saric back this year is a sneaky, quietly great thing. Yeah. Like that's going to be a big deal for them. And then retaining Aiton, like they didn't have the option to go small last year, which I thought was a really tactical error on their part of their front office and not providing them that option. Yeah, um, it's, like, it's they, like, oh, you can play Chris Paul with a really limited big, but you can also just play him with someone else too. Yeah, you can also just play him with somebody else. Um, and so having Sarich back, I think, really helps. Um, they, they've made some marginal moves, which I think were pretty good. So the roster, I think, is like a little bit better. So I'm definitely willing to put them in tier two now that Aiton's back. Uh, we'll go ahead and put them there. My tier three is, I think it would be best as if an unforeseen event occurs. Mm-hmm. So my tier is Miami, uh, Memphis, Minnesota. Okay. Uh, and here's here's a fun one. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I actually have the Cavs. I, I have the Cavs one tier below, but it's really close. And um, so let's let's talk about Minnesota. And I, I think that I'll let you I'll let you start. And then I because I have some thoughts on this. I've been waiting to write it, but yeah, I'll let you talk first. Yeah, so it's like, okay, the unforeseen event essentially is that they would have to trade D'Angelo Russell and whatever spare parts that they have left after the Gobert trade for an upgrade at point guard, specifically on defense. Just like a standard, very capable guard. They've they looked at a lot of trade options. I know that for a fact. They looked at a lot for a, a lot of trade options. They tried including him. There were some three-way deals that were talked about in, with the Gobert trade that would have sent D'Lo out. Um, and ultimately, those just didn't come through, I think, in part because nobody's like, ooh, D'Lo. Um, but if they were to move D'Lo and find an option that just like provides a little bit more stability, because I was so disappointed in, in D'Angelo in that Memphis series, where it should have been an opportunity for him to find ways to attack and fill in the gaps. And because they went to switch pretty early on, he just faded in the background and was never seen again in that series and that's a that was a pretty damning series for uh Dilo. it doesn't mean that he can't have better ones it just was a really bad one for him um for me i think a lot of it is the idea people are very much like well i just can't see it working with gobert and and towns and it's like that's because we don't have a vision of it and oftentimes these things that we're not able to visualize make a lot more sense when we see them sometimes they're disasters i'm not ruling it out it's entirely possible but chris paul and james harden was a a case of where we're like really like that doesn't make a whole lot of intuitive sense with the way that those two played and they were incredible and they were the best team in the league and they probably should have won gone to the finals and maybe won um and so this thing that we can't necessarily understand what it's going to look like doesn't mean it's going to be bad i actually like the fit quite a bit with how town spaces the floor with the ability again we've talked about this with phoenix and with other teams look i think when you trade for a guy it's different than when you've committed to him as a franchise you drafted him he's been your guy you're not going to bench him i have a little bit more faith and confidence that finch is going to be empowered to be like rooting this is not the series like you're our guy you'll be back next series i need to play small we're closing with towns at five I feel like that flexibility helps a lot, even if you're like, but you traded all these picks and blah, blah, blah. It's just different when you trade for a guy rather than you signed him. It just is. And so I think that flexibility opens up the possibilities a lot where it's like, no, 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 we need to go small here. We need to space the floor. Um, I have a lot of, of confidence in, in Conley, and, but most importantly, I really have a lot of confidence in Finch. I just think he's going to be able to figure out stuff. The Kyle Anderson fit is really good. That's like a sneaky good one that can slide into a lot of spots. If you told me that the, the, that the Wolves were in the Western Conference Finals next year, I wouldn't be shocked. 
I'd be like, oh, but not, oh my god. And so if you're able to get that close, then I think you're within range of making an, of making one move or having Ant get to another level or Towns evolves one more step beyond and that gets you all the way home to where you're there. The thing is that Gobert's issues primarily the last couple of years have not been on the defensive end in the playoffs. It's that the Jazz couldn't score enough when teams went small to make up for the difference because of their perimeter defense. They couldn't score enough on the other end. They had trouble on both ends of the floor, and a lot of that's because Rudy can't punish those switches. The The Wolves have ways to punish small ball lineups without needing to involve yeah. Gobert. Also, Go- Gobert don't. doesn't need to be in the action the way he did on the Jazz. Like, I think that is right. such, it's such an important difference between Minnesota and Utah is we, you're, you're incredibly astute on the, like, we, it's hard to visualize it yet because we haven't seen it, but I like to draw a delineation between players who are in the action and who are out of the action and having yeah. a center who's not in the action does make certain things harder, but when the guy who's in the action is Carl Anthony freaking Towns, then it's, it's going to create some problems but okay i want to give my short my short pitch for why the timberwolves might be significantly better at least as a regular season team than some are thinking and this is not to say that i support the trade i did all we nate and i did a whole show about this and i i was very critical of of what tim Connolly and everybody did but here is the theory okay when rudy gobert was on the floor using cleaning the glass they had a you know roughly a 90th percentile or better defense every year but one in the last you know, five or six. And I would argue, and I'll cross-check me on this, that Minnesota's surrounding defensive talent is at the level or superior to what the Jazz have Jazz surrounding off defensive talent has been over those years. Do you think that's reasonable? Yes, it is. The Minnesota Timberwolves last year, when Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards were on the floor, 116.7 offensive rating, 83rd percentile. And that included a whole lot of limited offensive players, including my beloved Jared Vanderbilt and, you know, a lot of limited guards. You know, just they had, I mean, a Kogi was in the rotation at one point. You had a lot of different versions. And so I think you could make a, a t- it's a clearer argument on either side of this, but you could say that, you know, like Minnesota has the offensive talent to be, you know, like, so you, but basically if you swap Gobert for the other guys who are mostly fours that they had with Towns, Gobert is a better offensive player than Jared Vanderbilt, I think is a reasonable assumption. They did lose other things like Malik Beasley in the deal that will hurt. So I'm not saying that they're going to be exactly that, but let's say they have a, you know, 85th percentile or better defense and they have a 75th percentile or better offense. That's a really, really good regular season team, even if it's just for the minutes that those gentlemen are on the floor. But also they have enough high end talent that they can stagger if they want to do that. They can figure all this stuff out. And so I don't love necessarily how that group fits in the playoffs. You know, you'll get into some stress tests and how how's it going to work if they, a team plays five out, but also they can mash the crap out of five out teams offensively. So I like you. So I have them. You know what? I'm going to move Minnesota into this tier. I'm, I had them in their own tier a little bit below. It is completely reasonable to have them here. If I'm going to have the freaking Lakers here, and I think Minnesota's talent level right now is meaningfully better than them, they are in this tier. I have changed it. Good. I'm glad that we have yes. uh, we've we've moved to respecting the Wolves instead of respecting the Jazz as yes. was the old uh, internet um, gag. So, so let's talk. Let's talk about Cleveland. Yeah. So I have them one yeah. tier below, but I think it's so. Is the theory of this defense plus like defense first, offense second, or is it something else? So like, if we imagine one of these star trades, what team is better equipped to kind of go in midseason, right? What, like, what's your What's your theory of that? Because like, I mean, I don't think it involves. Uh, is it Jared? Including Jared Allen? Is it like because so they don't they, have a, their picks they, aren't great, right? If they get back, um, if they get back 
Sexton at what looks like to be a pretty cheap number, mm-hmm. right? You can throw Sexton, either Markkinen or Allen, right? And if you know that Evan Mobley is going to be your guy for the future, which he is, like Mobley is absolutely sensational. He was he is a phenom. Like the ways in which I don't think the box score encapsulates how good he was last year are striking, and the box score was pretty good. So if you look at like Sexton and one of Allen or Markkinen and then throw in uh, a Coro, maybe a Baji, if it's like if it's like that's a deal breaker, you can add in one guy. And I think that honestly, the defense is so good based off of where they were midseason, unless last year it would have to be like last year was an entire fluke. Like it was all smoke and mirrors and maybe right. Like maybe it was like a 2014 Suns type of deal. Where they had that one good year, and then you came back, and you're like, nope, that that wasn't it. Um, but they ha- they were so good according to all the advanced metrics, except for like you know the offense was bad, but they got had look the injuries were nuts for that team, they and they were and they were at the Sexton. same time too, like they lost multiple yeah. offensive forces at the same time. Yeah, it was like okay, Colin Sexton goes out. Oh, but don't worry because Ricky Rubio's having like a sensational season. Up, oh, Ricky Rubio's. <laughs> it's like they just and and then it was like they were still holding water, and then it's like up, oh, no, there goes Jared down. Up, oh, there goes Evan Mobley. Up. Oh, like, like they were they were notorious for playing the three bigs and there was a stretch there where none of them were available. Like the strength of their team was this weird thing we didn't think was gonna work, and then it did. And so I look at it and I go, like I'm very I'm I'm very low on Bradley Beal at this point from a title impact level. But like if you were able to, to find a deal that sw- that if it got immediately bad, right, down the line, year year from now is, is probably going to be more likely. But a Bradley Beal esque level player, if they were able to find a offensive weapon to slot in there next to Garland and Mobley, I genuinely think that team is disruptive enough to where I'm like, you know, I can actually kind of say, like, again, I think these teams are very much capped, right? I think if you ask me, like, is Minnesota winning the title? No. Is Memphis winning the title? No, I don't think so. Is Miami winning the title? No, I do not think so. But I genuinely think that the Cavs were, have shown enough of an underpinning and that Mobley and Garland are so foundationally good at so many things for me to put them at this list because they are really, I think, one move away from me being like, okay, I can see it. I can see that happening. I'm close. The difference, I think, the 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 differentiator between us is that I think what they need is a wing, and wings are the hardest thing to acquire. And so that's fair. Maybe you that's need fair. to if if Agbaji is awesome, if Akoro takes a huge step forward, that's probably the easiest way to do it. And that's why the Karis Levert trade just bothers me so much because they had they used a couple of the arrows in their quiver, and they got a player who didn't do the things that they needed the most, and so now they still need that from someone else. And yeah, that's that's fair. That's hard, but you could still get. So I have them. I have this one. I have a sub tier. Let's well, not up here it's a full tier so now we're getting into i called it kind of you start getting into i said further away but they have top end talent and so part of the reason the Cavs are in this next group they're only two teams is because they have multiple bites at the top end talent apple and evan mobley is a monster i think there's a chance that he ends up being the best player on a really good team potentially even a championship team like that he could be the defensive player and then he's also can fit in you lower usage offense but still be positive not not taking anything off the table there and i love Derek. Garland. I think that Darius Garland can be, if he continues to grow, then he can be one of the better offensive point guards in the league. He can be the engine behind a successful thing. So you have multiple different ways to significantly improve. They also don't have a like a ton of age-related regression that really matters. And they have some they have some options in the places that they're weak. They don't have as many as I'd like, but they have enough. The other team that is in this tier with them 
is the New Orleans Pelicans. And the Pelicans are here for a couple reasons. One of them is if Zion Williamson can be even close to the player that he was the second half of the 2020-21 season when I had him as an All-NBA player. Think about even if it changes some of the core identity of what that Pelicans team was last year, think about what that does with their defensive foundation. Yeah, uh, it's very interesting. So I'm trying to figure out if there's a team that I could go cover in preseason, right? And I'm tra- and you're trying to identify basically a team that's going to make a leap. And the Pels feel like this obvious one to the point where it feels too obvious to where I'm almost kind of like, I don't know, maybe like this one, like this one is so on the nose and those things rarely work out that way. The last time I did this was like in 2019 when I went to visit the – or 2018 uh, training camp when I went to visit the Bucks, And it was like Budenholzer's first season and like, hey, like this might be Giannis's breakout season. And sure enough, he wins MVP and they're the one seed and, and all that. Um, the Pelicans are fascinating to me in that there's actually a correlation with them and the Celtics where I'm like, okay, but like the Celtics were bad for half the year and then we're so dominant. How is that possibly like going to sustain itself? Is that really who they are? Like we thought the Celtics were one thing to start the season and we thought they were worse at Christmas. And by the end of the year, we're like, is this one of the best teams in the league? Is this like the favorite to win the NBA title? They're currently tied with the Suns at some books for, you know, the current favorite to win the title. Is that, is that, is that not weird? And with the Pelicans, it's kind of the same thing where I'm like, yeah, okay, they had the one twelve start and they dug out of it. They still only finished a game above 500 in the subsequent stretch and they still finished sub 500. This was a sub 500 team last year that, you know, won the play in and made a little bit of noise versus the Suns. That was, that was obviously a little bit shaky. Um, and ultimately just like, is that, is that real? But then you think like, okay, it doesn't really matter how real that is. If you add Zion and what he is capable of being, but you don't know if Zion's going to be able to play They're they're this and just, constant wrap of riddles that you're trying to kind of unpack and so like i have them in my tier four as well um along with chicago atlanta and portland and this tier is basically uh, i've labeled it as an all-time fluke which an all-time fluke title is never gonna be like a play-in team right it's never gonna be there are certain teams that just it doesn't matter how hot you run it's a five or a six series of breaks yeah Yeah, i mean because a a play-in team is going to have to win four straight series on the road and you're not going to get the injury luck in all likelihood yeah the the only way a play-in team would ever do it is if it's a circumstance like that rockets team where the only reason they're in the play-in is because they spent a large portion of the season without their guys so that to me is like why they wind up there and like atlanta's the same kind of deal where it's like if you told me atlanta won the title next season i would have been like who got hurt (laughs) like how many how many guys got hurt and Trey must have averaged like 40 and 12 for like three straight rounds and it was absolutely bonkers and nobody can believe it but yeah Hawks won the title who can believe it they are as far as like close to title contention these are teams I think that do have like substantial limitations for me with the Pelicans like I really do think that um a lot of it just comes down to how good you think Brandon Ingram is like if you think Brandon Ingram is is a genuine number two best player no like second best player on a championship level team then you probably got bumped the Pelicans up like you should put him up there like I was arguing with my colleague Brandon Anderson over to Action Network because he was like well you know CJ played at like an all NBA level in New Orleans if you look at the stats and I'm just like CJ's never making an all NBA team like it's not going to happen. 
<laughs> right? So it's like your perception of these guys, I think, definitely does matter. And the Pels have a lot, to, you know, and Herb Jones is incredible, and I like Trey Murphy a lot, and I love their draft this year. Like, there's all these like, really positive signs, but the gap there is still just like, man, are they going to really, are they going to be able to take out a heavyweight? And the answer is like only if there's like a lot of injuries and a lot of weirdness goes on. So I will put them here as far as like, yeah, they're closer than these the the big drop off which happens next. But I can't really be serious about them. I think honestly, what's crazy is of these teams: Chicago, Atlanta, New Orleans, and Portland. I think Chicago has the best chance at the highest record regular season of any of those teams, and I think they have the lowest ceiling in terms of playoffs of any of those teams. I agree. And the other thing I'll mention for New Orleans is they do have this boatload of draft picks. If they wanted to get better, yeah, they could. I don't know if sure. they will, but if, how Griff wants to handle that. So I actually, this is where there's a big delineation for me. And, and, and where I, so you brought up Chicago and the Blazers and all that. I actually have those teams further down. And the theory behind it is it's harder to get from very good, but not title worthy to title worthy. If you don't have the means, like you don't have the young guys or the draft picks or whatever, like if you've used, cause like the Hawks now they've used that for DeJounte and everything else. Like they, they still have some, not that much. So the group that I have next is actually further away without the star yet, but flexible. And so what the, the idea behind it is, I think that the, and so actually I'll lay out my next tier. So the tier below this tier, and then I'll explain why. So the Hawks, the Knicks, the Blazers, and the Bulls. I think all of those teams are going to be relevant this year. I think they're all going to be heard from. I'm excited to watch them. However, I don't think they're going to be serious threats to win a championship in their current iteration. Serious threats. Like, they can be fringe. You talked about the, like, all-time anomalous year, all the type of stuff. Sure, that's fine. And my thought process on this is, if it's not this cycle, then it's going to take probably two more, because then they're going to have to kind of wait for some of these guys to age. And then the Knicks are young. Some of these teams, are, the Hawks are pretty young, like these types of things. So it's more likely that they eventually get usurped by these young teams, some of whom will figure it out. Not all of them, but some of them will. And so my my tier without that, I refer to it as further away without the star, but they're still flexible. And so I'll just rattle through and we don't need to talk about them at some like because a lot of it is speculative for who looks good in the future. In the Thunder, the Rockets, the Pistons, the Magic, the Pacers, the Jazz, and the Spurs. And the idea basically being all of those teams to me have a shot. Uh, they have either a young player in the pipeline now, like Kate Cunningham or Chet Holmgren or Jabari or Tyrese Halliburton and or the possibility of getting really high-end players in the 23 draft and then those are the you know when Benyama or Scoot or whatever player becomes a star in the next year to propel them into that you know that's their Luka Doncic or their Steph Curry or whatever and so I my thought is it's they will get to title contention like true title contention sooner than the teams that are good not great right now. That's an interesting approach. That's a really interesting approach because, like, my next tier is like basically the hey, you're there, like you're hanging. They're like, pretty good. Yeah, you you exist, and it's like Sacramento, right? Uh, Utah right now before Donovan Mitchell trade. Uh, the Knicks are in this category. I think Washington's probably a tier lower just from a talent perspective. I'm pretty low on on where they're at, but like, oh, I'll get yeah. to them. Yeah. So like. I think it's an interesting reframing of, of the, the concept from a title contention closeness standpoint, because if you're like, yeah, but like is the chance because they're good now uh, that puts them closer. But the capacity for growth over like the next three seasons is so much more accelerated. Right. Where it's like if OKC, they may have it already with Shea and Chet, that combination and Giddy. Like that combination alone may make just incredible leaps and get there. But like it, it, one of the things I talked to a scout at Summer League that was 
was just like, can you imagine if OKC were to were to tank out and get Victor? Like, we don't think it's going to happen because we think they're going to be too good to get the the one. But if they get lottery luck and the Thunder hit the one and they've got Chet and Victor with Shea, good God, right? Like that could like that team in two years would be better than likely the Knicks are going to be right now or the Knicks were like two years ago. It's just it's wild like that capacity uh, gap. Detroit I think is is really interesting to look at because I like so much of what they've done and I like their core. I like Cade. Um, I like Ivy. I like a lot of their young dudes. I like do, you, do you like that they have six centers on this team? <laughs> it, I, it's a different league now, Danny. Everybody's bulking up because that's what we saw in the finals was two teams that definitely play big all the time. Um, so yeah, like trying to figure this out, but like then you also have this, this kind of different differentiation where I actually just think like Houston's just really far away. Like I'm just yeah. not sold that, that combination of talent is is gonna be able but to transfer. Are, are they when Benyama away? Like that's that I, I guess yeah. that could be the other way I could have described this group as one but one when Benyama away and. You know, and I haven't seen enough of him to say definitively that he's the next. I mean, Mike Schmidt saying he's the best prospect he's ever evaluated, and him saying that shortly before he's got a job at a team is really fun. But yeah, yeah. So, but and and like, I mean, so you're right with them, or like, for example, depending on Paulo, Orlando's a while away, and Orlando, like, they might try to push a little harder the next couple of years. And and I like a lot of the guys they have, you know, Wagner and Wendell Carter, and they've been yeah. I'm sneaky high on Orlando. Like I'm not sitting here being like I think Orlando could win a title. Then no, they might but, make the they might make the playoffs next year. I think there's a chance. I mean, yeah, like like look, if Fultz bounces back and Fultz still has so much potential and he's had so much like it may just be that there's too much rotten from his first four years and he may never recover from it. But careers are long and he's gonna have have the ability to do that. How, how do you feel Cole's about how good. do you feel about Mosley? I liked a lot of the defensive stuff. So here's what's been a weird trend lately is usually it's like the offense for young teams, at least because they're just like, all right, let's just run up and down the floor and let's have base principles. And so the offense is a little bit more efficient. The defense is a train wreck. I liked a lot of what I saw from them defensively, but a lot of that may just be that I just think I was so low on Wendell Carter Jr. in Chicago. I was just literally like, I just, he's got to get off the floor. Like he's holding them back. Like look at look at the splits and look at like how these team looked when he's on the court. And then he got to Orlando and it just something clicked with him. And I I cannot be higher on Wendell Carter Jr. Whether that's he gets traded for a piece later or whatever, like that guy is gonna be the type of big that you want on your team. He does shows a lot of things that I've wanted the I want young bigs to show. And so, like, do I think Mosley's going to be, like, a guy for them to win playoff series with? I'm not sure. I am not. I really am not sure because they were so far away last year. But I expected Orlando to be, like, a wins in the teens. And they only won. They still went under. Um, but they were surprisingly, when I watched them, they were surprisingly decent and competitive despite so many injuries. And Paolo looked amazing in Summer League. It's two games in Summer League, whatever. But that combination, plus Franz Wagner, who was so underrated last year in terms of where he was at in the Rookie of the Year race. You know, Markel gets back. I don't love retaining Bamba, but whatever. Like, that whole roster, I just kind of look at and I go, there's like a lot of capacity for little jumps here that can set up a move down the line. That can set up a move down the line. And, And Orlando also could benefit in a way that maybe Houston does eventually, where they sputter a little bit this year, but that allows them to get a better rookie. And then that, you know, that can be the rocket fuel for for moving up in the future. Like that could be, you know, that's my theory for why the 
Jazz have to trade Donovan Mitchell before the start of the season is because then they can be bad enough to actually get those players this year. And San Antonio, like I mean, they were on the treadmill for a while. They're off the treadmill now. And I like a lot of their dudes, but I think they're just that. But they can move into that direction if they want to. And it'd be hilarious if it was another another big man that they got. Or I mean, maybe it's Scoot and he's awesome or something else. And I, I, I'm there are lots of things to like about this group. And also because I, I was thinking about this the other day in summer league, and, and it's part of why I'm juiced about where the league is going about four years from now. There isn't this looming giant, you know, this team that you're like, oh shit. Like, like the, I, I think back the ultimate example of it for me was probably those Thunder teams, which of course ended up not materializing. But yeah. the like, oh, when these guys, like they have all the pieces already and they're all pre-prime and they're all really good like that. And so what that means is, I think there's in a couple of years that'll happen. You know, there'll be a team that that puts that together. We've seen more franchises go in this direction. Is that you, we're in the process of identifying it, but also potentially assembling it. So like you brought up the Thunder, like if they get Wembenyama, Chet Holmgren could be that. And so, but some of it will also be the internal improvements. Like if Cade is awesome this coming year, then that fundamentally changes the trajectory for the for the Pistons yeah. and. I think each of these, each of those groups pretty much has somebody and the teams that don't, they're probably going to be bad enough that they could theoretically acquire that somebody. We can move a little bit more briskly. So my next group is, I called it more talented, but too low a ceiling. So this is the Hawks, the Knicks, the Blazers, and the Bulls. We already went through this theory. I like certain things about all of those teams. This is not to say that they suck or that their general manager should be flayed or anything like that. It's just, they're just in a different place and that's okay. And then my last tier, I cracked up though, because so I had, I called it less talented, lower ceiling. So it's basically teams that aren't as flexible, but also aren't as good. And then what I realized after I put it together, it's only three teams and I will put them in order because I think the order here is interesting. But what I realized after I put it together and I put the whole list together is I'm like, oh my God, Uh, whether it's coincidence or not, these are, if I had to pick the three owners that hurt their team's likelihood of winning a championship the most, it will be these three owners. And I'll explain what that means. But so the group for me in order from most to least likely to be our earliest in title contention, one is the Hornets. LaMelo can get them there. And they're, you know, I mean, the horrific circumstances as we know them with Miles Bridges, but they still have, you know, they have some young talent and everything else. Then the Kings, and with the Kings, they don't have a lot of spending power. They've kind of committed to this. I'm not the biggest fan of their their core and all that. And the and then last is the Wizards. And the biggest reason the Wizards are last, I actually like a fair amount of the players on the team, is Bradley Peel getting a no trade calls because what that <laughs> yeah. what that guarantees to some extent is that you're not going to get much for him because he's just going to wield that if it, or if there's ever a point or you're just going to like keep him around and he's not he's going to be good enough to you know probably be able to be good enough to keep you relevant but the bigger part i brought up the ownership is michael jordan vivek ronadive and ted leonsis mj is just a bad owner you know like he i think he doesn't doesn't give the people enough latitude like or he doesn't hire the right people and also he's incredibly cheap Vivek and Ted Leonsis have consistently prioritized being in the mix rather than taking the pain that comes from not being in the mix. And I have no reason to believe. So I think this is where they are on talent. I did this not considering ownership. But what I realize is they're just going to keep doing it because it's all they do. Yeah, I think with Vivek, I think there was a real idea of like building 
and then the build didn't work out, right? Didn't work sure. with Cousins. It didn't work with Bagley. Like they just they never hit. And so because they never hit, then it became this big thing of you still haven't made the playoffs. It's been you know eighteen years, whatever. So now there's this big push of we just gotta we just gotta like break that streak and give the fans something. And that problem is always really it's just an issue when you're trying to to basically gamify your way in. The easiest way, honestly, to do it is to do the opposite of what they do, which is like they're just like oh. Let's just get good players. You know, let's let's go all in and just try and improve right now and scrape out a six. When it's like, look, the best way to do it is to go the Spurs route, where they're so good at coaching and organizational, and they just they value they target. Oh, you have a rest advantage. We're absolutely going to win this game. Oh, we're playing a team under five hundred. We're absolutely going to win this game. And oh, it's a you know it's a a Wednesday and we're playing. Like in today's terms, it would be it's Wednesday and we're playing the Nuggets and we're in altitude and we just got done with a back to back two days ago or it's a, it's a third in, in four nights. Yeah, no, we're not going to win this game. We're not going to prioritize this game. But two days later, when we're in Orlando, we're absolutely good. like that's how you gamify it. That's like how you can get in the playoffs. It's just focus on those things. You win your division games, your home games and your teams and beat teams under 500. That formula will always get you home. Like It will just get you home if you just focus on those things and take advantage of the weak spots that can get you in the playoffs, regardless of, of really not regardless of talent. You have to have a certain level. But if you have even what the Kings approximately have, um, the thing I would say about the Wizards, that's interesting is that for Leonsis to be what he is from how he made his money and to be as much of a we reward our guys person continues to really baffle me. Because that to me honestly has been their problem is that they just kept going in and in and in on the guys that they've been there with. Like Ernie Grunfeld, we're going to keep trusting him no matter what. You know, it was it was Randy Whitman. They wouldn't fire him. Because, like, no, Randy's been our guy. We got to the playoffs with Randy. Um, resigning Bradley is, like, another... This entire Beal thing is another indication of it where it's just, like, you don't have... Just because you got those guys doesn't mean that you have to be all the way in on them. You don't have to do that. And and it really does, like, it's been odd for me to try and, and figure this out. When you view it from that lens, it changes your perspective of how to evaluate him as an owner. Because you're like, your heart's in the right place, but it's in the right place too much, man. Like, you should be, like, a little bit more cold-blooded. Like, he runs things the exact opposite of how, you know, Leslie Alexander empowered Daryl Morey to in Houston, which was just like, no, look, we have a number. This is our number, and you're not worth more than this. And if you get this number, congratulations, we're not signing you. Like, we, you can go there. Um, they do the exact opposite. And that, I think, really does kind of hold them back. It's interesting to me that, like, you, that th- this is the framework, and yet, obviously, like, the worst owner in the NBA is a degree, I'm assuming, lower than this. Yeah, I think that's fair. Anything else we need to discuss? I don't think so. I think we got it pretty well wrapped. Um, you know, Indiana is kind of an interesting one. Yeah. Just to look at, like, you know, on the one hand, they look like they're rebuilding. On the other hand, they try to get DeAndre Ayton. Uh, there's so much buzz for Tyrese Halliburton and what he's going to do. Could Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin be like, hey, is this the best guard combo in the NBA in, like, two, three years? Is that possible? I don't know. Like, it's hard for me to see, but, like, they're an interesting one to kind of per- perceive, especially with the history of uh, Simon's always going – her time and always going for you know the shortcuts yeah to try I, and I, stay in contention. i'm so interested in how this works and caitlin cooper and i've talked about this a lot of a rick carlisle team that has to run to maximize their talent <laughs> just like how is that going to work but generally speaking my instinct is carlisle knows what 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 will work for his team and that it'll eventually sort itself out what what tier do you have the nixon seven 
Okay, that sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, sounds and about right. It's and I, you know, I think that the Jalen Brunson part of this could work, but it's it. There's this dynamic that they've had, and I mean, there've been parallels over the last couple of years of like you brought it up with the Wizards of like doubling down on pretty good, and they, you know, I, I'm not going to criticize them too much for the Julius Randle contract. You know, like the Randle contract, I, as as much as I thought it was a little bit of an anomalous year for him. I mean, the truth is probably between that year and the most recent one, but you know, like they they it doesn't seem like at any. It, at every point they're like how can we do the best team possible get the guys that we think are good guys and they don't do the next step of like do we are we excited about how the level of team that we're going to be and you can either there are two two different theories of the case there one is they think they're going to be significantly better than I think and we'll see who's right I think that's the right approach but the other one could be if we're in if we're in the playoff mix if we're you know pretty good team like I think the Knicks could be you know I haven't worked out the Eastern Conference but like yeah they could be the five seed the four four seed the seven seed like they could be in that mix if, if things work out well for them I wouldn't probably pick them to win more than one playoff series that's not the worst place in the world to be and it's significantly right. better than most of where they've been for the last decade yeah well said yeah Okay, well, thank you so much. This was a delight, as it always is. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Matt Moore for taking the time to come on. You can read his work at the Action Network, and you can also hear him on Locked on Nuggets, Locked on NBA. Love having him on. If somehow you don't already, you can follow him on Twitter at HP Basketball. And I always really enjoy these conversations. I think the two of us do. They can be a way to hone our opinions or clarify them on specific things. And so that can be a lot of fun. If you want to support the show, there are a lot of different ways you can do it. You can subscribe, download episodes uh, using the podcast player if you're choosing. That's great for Real GM Radio because it's never going to come out on a specific day of the week. It's my availability, guest availability, all that fun stuff. So whether you're Spotify, Apple Podcasts, really wherever, you can find it, put it in there, appreciate it. And if it's not working somewhere, please let me know. And we can, I can do some digging. It's outside of my pay grade, but I can ask the people who know these things and they can figure it out. Also, leaving leaving rating or review um, can help other people find the show, same podcast player, or you could spread the word through word of mouth. That makes a big difference too. Specific episode or the show in general, I really do appreciate that. But the single most important thing for this show and any other that has them is to check out our sponsors. For us, that is betonline.ag and use that CLNS50 promo code. You get a 50% welcome bonus. We get you telling them we came from us and so hopefully BetOnline continues to advertise on this fair podcast. Really do appreciate it. You can also check out my other work. Nate Duncan and I are still doing Dunked On and Dunked On Prime, breaking down transactions. We did a pod on the DeAndre Ayton resolution yesterday, which was a lot of fun, and we'll continue to do that and get into some broader topics. Our Summer League breakdowns are always a highlight, and we will get into that once Summer League is actually over, and we've had a chance, I mean, he and I each saw some in person, but to watch some film, which is actually really important. I'm going to start on that probably tomorrow. We'll see We'll see when I can get a chance to watch some film of the games I didn't get to see in person. Then we also do Spotify Live every week. I think it's pretty consistently going to be Tuesdays at 3 Pacific, 6 Eastern. Well, if we change it, we'll let you know. And that gets also gets put out as a podcast on Spotify if you want to check that out. I believe it's called Duncan and LaRue in that space. Then my written work is at The Athletic. I have two pieces in the works now. Partially I was working on one and then the Aiton thing happened. And I'm like, well, I guess I should do things on two things. And so th- those will probably be the next two. Uh, I don't know the production timeline. It's going to depend on a few things on my end, but should be over the next little while. Um, and if you have any feedback on the show, good, bad, or indifferent, NBA at gmail.com is the way to get to me. If you take the time to write it, I will take the time to read it. That is an absolute promise. I'll try to get back to you, but my promise is to read it. So that's why I call it feedback. 
And that is all for now. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. 